The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Coca-Cola has had a lot of different themes, I guess. And, uh, uh, you know, the new Coke came out, and I don't know if anything changed or just can, but some people thought the new Coke wasn't as good as the old Coke, so they had classic Coke and new Coke. I guess there's just one kind of Coke now, isn't there? Can you still get classic or new Coke? Who knows? Huh? All it is is classic. You think that was an advertisement ploy to get folk to drink more Coke? <laughs> Maybe. What was the what was the Coke's theme? Coca-Cola. What? The real thing. Y'all remember that? That was uh and it may still be. I don't know. You'd uh uh, we'd see commercials, and uh, I remember the y'all remember the polar bears, the white polar bears, and uh, and the red uh, sashes or whatever scarves they have on, and uh, and the caption would be Coke. It's the real thing. And this morning, what I want us to do is turn over to First John, if you would, chapter four. First John, chapter four. And we are uh, quickly ending our study. We have a couple more weeks in First John. It's been a good study for us, I believe. But First John chapter four, uh, we're going to be there this morning over in verse seven. And and to start off with this morning, I want you to think about this. Things aren't always what they first appear to be. Uh, during my time here as pastor several years ago, and. Uh, this is nothing for you to, to worry and think back and try to figure out. Some of you may remember this. We had a big family that come and visited our church, and uh, I think I was uh, actually gone. They came on a Wednesday, and I think I was working, and uh, they came and visited, and they had a lot of children, and uh, then Sunday they were here, and uh, we were fixing to have vacation Bible school, and uh, they were really wanted to be involved in that. They wanted to be a part of everything. They said, "We want to, uh, we want to be, a, uh, we want to help teach Vacation Bible School." And uh, they had just been here a few days, you know. Said, so "We've moved into the community. We, we've moved out of the the city, away from the city. We wanted our children to be raised in this type of environment, and uh, we just love this place. And we." Uh, Sunday night they were here, Wednesday night they were here, they were just getting involved so quickly and so fast, and uh, we were all excited, and and uh, at one point they came and said, uh, we have a child that's in some, uh, needs some medical attention that we can't afford, and, and can y'all help us out? And we said, well, sure we can, and we, uh, we helped out there where we could, and then uh, not too long after that, we... Uh, uh, we, I had a conversation, and they said, you know, uh, he said, I'm, I'm looking for a job. I'm supposed to start a job in two weeks. We've moved everything, our family. We left everything to come and to get out of the city where we thought it would be safer and uh, for our children and to raise a family. And we need a little bit of help. We just need a loan. If you all can just pay us back, uh, we'll pay it back as soon as I get my feet on the ground. And, and uh, we talked about it, and they needed help with the rent and the electric bill and the phone bill and uh, water and, of course, doctor visits and all of those things, which was fine. We were helping out where we could and as we could. I, really, I, I still really didn't realize that uh, uh, what was going on and uh, that we were kind of uh, being part of a con. Now, let me stop right here and say something. 
Uh, that's not our problem, okay? That's between that person and God. Amen? We, we, were, we were going and we were leading in the way that we thought we should to help out someone in need. We continue to do that, and we will continue to do that. But in this particular case, when I figured out things weren't as they first appeared, is when I got a, call, a phone call from a local vendor that said, Hey, I need you to come take care of this bill down here. And I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, uh, you signed an account. You opened an account for these folks. Uh, and I have the paper here where you filled it out and signed it. And I said, oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> I haven't done that. And uh, come to find out, they had went and uh, used my name and my signature at a local company and said, hey, this guy's setting up an account. I, I'm at this point assuming, okay, that they took the paper and then signed it themselves and returned it, and they charged a bunch of clothes and a bunch of tools and a bunch of stuff, and I said, oh, Jake's going to pay for that. <laughs> and uh, so actually where this happened at, uh, as we began to talk about it, we both got a big, a big laugh out of it. Uh, and he said, don't worry about it. I'll just get stuff back. And come to find out, they were buying tools, the most expensive, and then selling them. <laughs> and that's what they were. And uh, quickly after that, they were up and gone, just like that. I mean, as quick as they came, uh, as quick as they were involved, just as quickly were they gone and no longer apart. Uh, kind of a scheme uh, to get money for uh, from local churches, and it, and it worked well. And again, I say I'm not uh, sorry for anything that we did. I think we, uh, in, uh, in the view of what God would have us to do as a church, we acted appropriately, I think. Uh, and again, I say that, that that's between a family and God, and God can forgive us for all kinds of things. I didn't tell you all that to make you wonder and question out how others uh, get need help or how they get help. I told you that simply to say this, things don't always end up the way they first appear to be, do they? I mean, sometimes uh, when we, we look at something on the outside, it, it really don't turn out that way. And as we're talking about our Christian journey, I think even in our Christian journey, things are not always what they appear to be. In our spiritual journey, uh, as we follow Jesus Christ, I think it's true, and, and you think about this, sometimes on our spiritual journey, when we follow Christ, or even when we come to the church, we sometimes put on a, a facade that we feel like when we come through this door, uh, we, have to, we have to carry out. You know, uh, I heard stories about uh, husband and wife come to church, and they're they're arguing from the time their feet hit the floor till the time they get in the car till the time they pull in the parking lot. They're just arguing and fussing the kids and backhanding and hollering and then walking the door and folks go, How's it? oh, everything's just fine. You know, that's how we do, isn't it? Things aren't how they appear sometimes. Uh, sometimes there, there's things behind the scene and, and things just are not always what they appear to be. And when we begin to study this, this book of John, 1 John, and uh, John is, is dealing with a church, 
And inside this church, they're having a terrible split. Now, I've told you this uh, several times in the last few months. During this time, there wasn't a church on every corner. So you didn't simply get mad at this church and go over and join this church because you didn't like the way things were going. There was the church. So the church is having a, a, a split. And as we've seen through John, it's really over who Jesus Christ was. Some were saying, well, he's not really the Messiah. And others were saying, well, of course he's the Messiah. And because of that, they were having these divisions within the church. And within those divisions, things weren't what they appeared to be. So John starts talking, and and he, he begins to address this among Christian brothers and sisters. And kind of the theme of what he's talked about was love. And when we look at this, Why does the Bible make such a big issue of Christians loving each other? 27 times the Bible commands Christians to love one another. 27 different times. That's a commandment. Why couldn't God just tell us to put up with each other or or tolerate each other? You know, and and for us to think about this, every church I know of, every pastor that that you talk to or that we discuss this issue struggles with some ideal of Christian love and Christians loving one another. It's not easy uh, for Christians to do that. Do you agree? You don't have to amen or you don't have to say, well, of course I agree, because most of us would probably say, I don't agree with that. I, I believe it's easy for us to love each other, but I don't believe that the case. And what I want us to do, and John wants to do, is he addresses this issue of Christian love. <coughs> and that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to take, a, I want us to take time to, to look at the real thing, the real thing about our, our relationship, about our walk with the Lord. And in that real thing, I want us to think about having relationships with God's people. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And if really have the real thing. Look in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 7. Look at what John says. Now these are, these are God's words given through John and he passes them on to the church. So I want you to hear this church this morning. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now look at verse verse 8. But whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now those aren't my words, folks. Those are what John had to say through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So for us to have the real thing, we have the real thing when we love other Christians and we show that we are truly God's own children. This is the fifth time in this short letter, just five chapters, that John has already addressed one another. Five times that we've looked at that John has told us that we need to love each other, that we need to love one another as Christians. Now, that doesn't mean that that we as Christians have no responsibility to to love non-Christians, but but he's dealing with with Christians as a church, and he wants us to understand that love begins here. Love begins in the church. Love begins among Christians, among brothers and sisters in Christ. And when it begins here, then it begins to branch out from that. Do you agree with that? Before we can love the world, before we can reach out and bring others to Christ, we have to love one another. There has to be a love among 
the people of this church, or the story told, I don't know if it's true or not, it's not in the Bible, but the story goes like this. After John wrote this letter, and he, he became too old to get around, and, and his followers would carry him around from church to church, and he would go before the church, and he would, he would give a little speech. He was old, he was not able to walk, and he, he would simply repeat these words, love one another. Love one another. And finally, uh, one of the persons in the church said, you know what, I'm, uh, this is all you ever say. It, you don't have any other word for us? And, and tell us about Jesus who rose from the grave and, and tell us about this, this Christian who was already born again. And John, the story says, simply smiles and says, brothers, if you love one another, that's enough. If we love one another, we understand the resurrection of Christ. If we love one another, then we're fulfilling God's purpose. This was the creed that John lived by. And as he taught this, he used a word, and you're going to be familiar with this word if you come to church much. It's a word agape, and that's the word that John used here. And as he began to describe the type of love that the church had, that word agape was very seldom ever used during this time. Matter of fact, it was the word that, that Christ used when he came and talked to Peter about, do you love me? And, and Peter answered with all kinds of different words for love, but, but Christ said, do you agape me? And John looks at us in the church and says, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to have an agape love for another. Now, that's not an erotic love. That's not a family love. That's not a friendship love. Now, I think we have a friendship love. In other words, we have a love that's that based on common interests sometimes. But that's not the kind of love that, that, that John is talking about this. He's talking about a godly type of love. That agape love, it, it doesn't have any boundary. It doesn't say, I love you if you do this and if you fit into this category and if things are just where they need to be, then I'll love you. This agape love says, I'm going to love you unconditionally because you're a brother or sister in Christ. You know, if you look around in this place this morning, and, and I know that families don't always get along, but if, if, if everyone here would realize, if you're a born-again Christian, you're sitting among family members. We're sitting among brothers and sisters in Christ. And John says to us, church, we need to love each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, with an unconditional love. And that's what we need to think about in this church because once we become children of God, we're recognized by our relationship with the Father. See, we have a Father, and you may think of, of the quality of our relationship with each other as, as kind of how we, how we respond to each other just on this outer surface. But John says it's much deeper than that. When we, as a family of God, we sing that song, I'm, so part, I'm glad I'm a part of the family of God. When we act like a family of God, we begin to love each other as brothers and sisters with God the Father directing that love. So God the Father says, you know what, You're, you, these are all my children. Y'all are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to love as I loved you. Just like a little boy that looks in the mirror and he sees uh, uh, an image of himself and in that image of himself he sees some characteristics of his father. Well, when folks look at us as children of, of God the Father, they need to see some characteristics of him. And, and when I say this, folks, I don't want you to think about outside of these walls. This morning, I want you to think about inside this building. 
Do we show the characteristics of our Father when it comes to loving one another? Can folks look at us and say, you know what? I see some likeness of their Father in that church. I see some likeness of, of God's love in that church. If we have the real thing, we need to love one another. Here's the second thing. The reason we need to get the real thing is when we love other Christians, we show that God's love has accomplished its purpose within our heart. Now, I want you to hear that. When we love other Christians, we show God has accomplished His, pur- His purpose in our heart. Look at verse 9 if you're in 1 John. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His own to the world that we might live through Him. This is love. <clears throat> Not that we love God, but that He loved us. He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete, or His love is made in us. So when we think about this, our natural question is, how do we know God really is love? That's kind of a, a, natural, a natural question we might ask. And, and John answers that by kind of looking back at Christmas. And he says this, there was a time that, that, that God sent His Son, Godhood, became manhood. Why did God do that? He did that to show His love to us. He said, here's the, here's the love I have for you. Here, here's the love I want you to, 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 to have. Here's the love I want you to experience. So he sent himself through Jesus Christ to make a, a visible reason, or visible understanding that, that we have someone who loves us. Now, now God, he took a, an unseen love that he had. He told us he loved us, but we couldn't see that love. And he showed us that love through his son, Jesus Christ. So he gave us an example of that. He, he gave us a, a picture of what love is. Look at God, but that he loved us, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God loved us. Not that we loved him. Romans says, yet while we were sinners, God sent his son to die for us. So he loved us. He sent us a now, if you were going to define love this morning, I want you to think about the definitions you've heard of love. Love is a many-splendored thing. Have you ever heard that? Love is a many-splendored thing. What in the world does that mean? I mean, really, what does it mean? I have no idea what that means. Love is a many-splendored thing. Well, whatever that means, we've heard it defined this way. I've heard it defined in songs as this, love is a rose. Y'all know that song? There's several of them. But I define more than that song and people say love is like a rose it's fragrant and beautiful yet thorny and painful (laughs) that's the definition of some folks give of love Uh, 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 something like a rose you know what Whitney Houston said she sang a song that says learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all that was her definition of love Somebody, somebody said this, love means never to having to say you're sorry. <laughs> you know, where'd that come from? I mean, those are the, those are the definition of, of love for folks today. 
But as John looked at us and said, what is this love? Jake, what kind of love are you talking about this morning? John simply took a people and, and he pointed them to the cross of Calvary. He said, this is the love that God has for us, that he laid down his life, that he sent his son, that we might understand his love for each of us. And this leads John once and all to, to, to say, well, you know what, I want to prod you on to loving one another. I want you to understand. Then in, in verse 12 he says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made perfect or complete. You know what that means? That means in the Greek, it means to be completed, successful, and accomplishing a goal. So what John is saying is, is when we love as God loves, and to understand that God loves his children, God loves every day, when we respond, God has completely, successfully accomplished His goal in your life. What is God's goal for me this morning? If I asked that question around and said, you know, what is God's goal for you this year? You might say, well, I'm really not sure. I'm praying about that. God's goal for us right now is this, that we would love each other. And when we begin to love each other, He says, what? I've completed my process in you. I finally got to where I need you to be. So why would we do that? Why this morning would we look around and say, well, you know, I love this person, but that person I've, I've had differences with, and I'm not so sure that I can work those things out. If we want to have the real thing, when we love each other as Christians, we show that Jesus Christ is truly our world's only hope. Now think about this. If we loved as Christians in the world, and that began to spread throughout the world... Jake, this is some pie-in-the-sky deal. No, it's not. If we loved as Christ's love, our world would have great hope, wouldn't it? Think about that. If we loved as Christ's love, that's our world's hope. Matter of fact, that's the only hope we have. What causes fights and quarrels and divisions amongst us because people don't love one another. People have their own agenda and their own ideal. And, hey, I'm going to go this way. This is what I want. And we throw the I, 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 and me, 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 and I, I, I in there. And we don't love as Christ loved. But, but Jesus Christ come. And, and John says here in verse 13 through 15, I didn't give you that scripture. I got on into my notes. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So when we look at this, John kind of seems to shift subject here, but he really doesn't. Because what he's doing, he's sharing his conviction that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the hope of the world, and we tend to kind of separate our, our, our efforts in loving, kind of, kind of thinking the, our relationship with each other as Christians and our relationship with the world is something different, but, but that's not true. In God's eyes, if our lives are, are no different than the world, when we leave this place and go to work tomorrow, if we look like the rest of the world, our testimony falls on deaf ears. Our testimony is not something that people say, you know what, you got the real thing. You got something I want a part of. If we say, well, I'm in business, and I have to handle my business the way the business world does, 
then we've separated our love in the church and our love out in the world. And when we do that, people don't see the, new, the real Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John 13. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Now he says, by this, what's he talking about? He's talking about by love for one another. I want you to hear it again. A new commandment I give you is to love one another as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this love, by this, look at what it says. All people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. All people. If we love one another, when we go out into the world and we have a love for others, by that, other people are going to know that's a follower of Christ. I've used this several times. Have you ever just been in checkout line and get up there to the, to the cashier and, and she or he's checking you out and you just know that person's a Christian? I ask them. I just say, you, you're a Christian, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, boy, they're, you know why? They have a love about them. They have something about them that, that makes them stand out in the world. They don't simply say, well, I'm at Walmart. I get off in 30 minutes, get your stuff. Now, some of them do. But some of them have a love there. And, and Christ says this, by this love, the world are going to know that you're my disciples. Here's the fourth thing. Why do we need the real thing? Because it frees us from fear. When we have the real love of Christ, we're not motivated by fear. And, and what does that say? Look at 16 through 18. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us. For God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we're like him. And verse says, and there is no fear found in love. But perfect love drives that fear out because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, John tells us here that, that if we have the real thing, we're not going to fear Christ. We're not going to fear the day of judgment. And what he's talking about here is, is we should be motivated by God's love. We shouldn't be motivated out of fear. John could have said this, you guys better love each other or God's going to get you. Now, some people do that, don't they? Some well-meaning parents do that. Some well-meaning Sunday school teachers do that. Some well-meaning pastors even do that. Of, hey, we better do what God says, and you better love one another, and you better love other races and other, other groups of people. If you don't, God's judgment's going to be upon you. People say that, and people live with that, and people go for each other and try to motivate out of fear. Folks, we shouldn't be motivated to love one another out of fear. John says here, if we have perfect love, we're going to have confidence on the day of judgment. We're going to have confidence on the day that we come before God because there's no fear in love. And that perfect love drives fear away because fear has to do with punishment to one who fears. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So as Christians, folks, we need to be motivated by our love. Here's the last thing, my last point this morning. If we have the real thing, if we really have the real thing, when we love each other 
and we love other Christians, we show that we have truly been touched by God's love. That's the whole theme that John talked about. How can we look around and, and, and wonder where are we at in God's love? How can we demonstrate that love? That's what Christ did. He demonstrated His love for us. Yet while we were sinners, He sent His Son. He gave us a demonstration of that love. How, how can we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, demonstrate that we've been touched by God's love? How do we, how do we make that known? We do it by loving one another. Any success we have uh, in loving one another is called an agape love. In other words... We're not equipped with our own sinful nature to love one another. I want you to think about this. If we love one another, the only way we do that is through God's Spirit leading us. And I'm going to put you on the spot this morning. Of course, I'm not going to come to you or ask you to say anything. I just want, I want you to think in your mind, do I love my brothers and sisters in this church? I want you to think about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to point out any problems. I'm not saying we have a problem with that. I'm saying in this church, we don't love as God wants us to love. Y'all believe that? We don't love as God wants us to love. We may have an affection for one another. We may have uh, something to do with another. But I want you to think about this. If you loved your spouse, or if you loved your children the way we love each other, would they realize you loved them? In other words, if you never spend time with them, you seldom talk to them, you don't particularly care for their company. Would your kids think you loved them? Would your wife think you loved her? Oh, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. I'll put up with you one day a week. But that's stretching it. <laughs> that, that doesn't demonstrate love, does it? I mean, we have opportunities. I'm not trying to motivate you out of fear or guilt. I'm simply saying the only way we're going to learn to love each other is spending some time together. You agree with that? You know, in certain countries, they arrange marriages. This, this baby is born, and this baby is born, and the parents get together and say, okay, when they get ready to get married, they're going to marry each other. You know what? There's no love there, is there? Why? They didn't get to know each other. They didn't get to drive and sit next to each other in the front seat of the pickup. And they didn't get to go out to the movies. And they didn't get to go out and eat and spend time on the telephone. I've told you all this probably when I was dating Denise. We couldn't spend but just a few minutes on the phone. So, and we didn't have cell phones, of course. And so we would call and, and we'd get to the end and we'd say, Bye. You didn't hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Bye. I love you. I love you too. Bye. You going to hang up? No, I'm going to wait on you to hang up. Well, I love you. I love you too. Bye. You got to hang up. No, I'm not going to hang up. Then her mama, you better hang that phone up in there. You know, so true or false. <laughs> You've been on the phone long enough in there in five minutes, you know. So uh, how did we learn to love each other? By spending time together. Folks, if we want to love <clears throat> as Christ loves, we need to spend some time together. This morning, we're not spending time together. We're sitting in a worship service. We sang together. We prayed together. We heard God's Word together, but we didn't spend time together. Folks, we do that through Sunday school. 
We do that through opportunities to come to church and fellowship together. We do that through a group that we're going to start on Sunday nights, a group that we can go to someone's house and we can sit down and we, be, we can begin to learn people and know people and love people. Father, if, uh, folks, if we want our church to grow, if we want our love to grow as one another, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we've got to spend some time together. We've got to spend some time loving each other. I don't know if you remember the story of Midas, but in Greek mythology, Midas was the guy who turned everything that he touched into gold. Y'all remember that? And uh, as he turned everything into gold, he, he couldn't eat lunch. He, he couldn't kiss his girlfriend because everything he touched turned to gold. That's where the saying, the Midas touch, comes from. Y'all have heard folks say, well, you know, they got the Midas touch. Matter of fact, some muffler company says they got the Midas touch. What that means is, is everything they touch seems to be successful. And to think about this, God kind of has the Midas touch too. Not that when he touches things, it, it turns to gold. But when he touches people, it turns our lives into lovers. It turns our lives into lovers of the brethren. And folks, for us to move forward in 2016... As the kind of church God wants us to be, we need to start loving one another. And when we begin to love one another, it's going to go beyond the walls of this church. It's going to begin to bleed out into the community. And folks are going to look at this church and realize, hey, they are the real thing. Let's bow together. They are the real thing. Motivated by agape love, only from God the Father. This morning, I, I told you a while ago, I'm going to put you a little on the spot. I want you to think about that person in this church. Maybe they're not here today, but you really loving that person. I'm going to ask you to start praying that God would, would tear down the walls, tear down the barriers. Love is God loves. Only God wants us to be as a church. We can put on a facade. We can play church. We can come and sit through a, a, an hour service every week and, and watch the clock and be ready to get out of here. But, but only through loving the brethren will we be the church that God wants us to be. Now, prayer opens doors but it takes action on our part. When God opens the door, when God convicts, when God moves our heart, we need to respond. So as you think, just for a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to close with a song. Would you ask God to reveal to me, first step, reveal to me, one person in this church. I don't want you to reveal all of them to me, but just, just start with one. One person I need to be loving. And then we're going to begin to build on that. I'm going to invite you to come and be a part of some activities at this church. I'm not trying to build up our fellowships. I, I'm simply, I want you to come be a part of Sunday school class. There's a Sunday school class for each age group. There's opportunities on Sunday night to come set in a small group. There's going to very soon be opportunity to go to someone's house and just sit around, eat a meal together, 
have a Bible study and begin to know each other and begin to love each other. Opportunities to go out and eat, go bowling, go, go do some things together. There, let's just make opportunities that we can begin to know each other, begin to love each other. Satan will make us too busy to love one another. Father, I pray this morning for myself, for my brothers and sisters here in Christ, that you would open our eyes and open our minds to those we need to love, knowing that all of us we need to love, but those that there's walls and barriers between. Lord, I pray that those would be torn down. I pray today that, that love would be our theme in a new year, that we would enjoy each other's company, that we would enjoy your presence. And Father, through the love we have, your love would be made complete, your mission successful, and through that, others would look and know that we have love, the real thing in this place. And Father, I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm